welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and joining me as always is AFL legend Warren Treadray. Treaders, how are you, mate? I'm good, Hutto. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It's almost Christmas. Five days away before we're all stuffing our face for the Christmas ham and all uh, that uh, jazz. Uh, don't, don't worry about Christmas. Christmas has come early. Oh, yeah. If your well, name's Head, Cummins or even Stark, it's come bloody early and it, Santa's dropped the ho- everyone's present on your front doorstep. <laughs> You copped a big payday, yeah. The IPL auction was last night, and six Aussies um, sold for a combined uh, 12 million Aussie um, in the Indian Premier League. So, uh, about 15 left in the lurch. But so Pat Cummins, he broke the record, going uh, 3.66 million to the Sunrisers um, before uh, Mitch Stark just blew that out of the water with 4.42. So, pretty crazy, isn't it? But um, one of the major stories, obviously, aside from our boy Trav, um, Spencer Johnson. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's amazing. And at $1.78 million, and to think that Steve Smith got passed on, mm. Josh Hazelwood got passed on. Yep. Um, this is bloody unbelievable money. And this IPL was the small one. It's not even the major auction because the major ones in the next couple of years when most of the players come out of contract. So there was only a small amount of money people got to play with. So, God, if this is a small amount of money, God help us. No wonder yeah, the IPL is now looking at potentially a 10-over um, version or a hundred balls like they do in the hundred in the UK. So, you know, let's face it, cricket, uh, cricket is bankrolled by India's money. And we saw it in, in um, to a stage that even my iPhone app, I have a mm. currency converter when we do this to go, oh yeah, someone's on this many pounds, thousand million pounds or US dollars. What's it mean to Aussie dollars? It doesn't have core in there. I couldn't work out <laughs> how to do it. <laughs> so, you know, Mitchell Stark hasn't played, I think, since 2018. Uh, Pat Cummins, huge money. Spencer Johnson, as you say, um, who goes to the Titans on $1.78 million. Now, I met this kid seven years ago. I was doing yoga. That's been... Yeah, hold on. I, I know. Hold okay. On. Oh, hold on. My wife, at that time, wasn't my wife. At that yep. time, we hadn't even really met. Um, but seven years ago, I met my now wife and... She owns a yoga studio in Westlakes and, you know, near the old footy park here in Adelaide. Um, and there was this big, young, strapping kid and he was wearing Redbacks gear. And I'm like, who is this kid? And it's obviously I was working in the news space then. And when Matt goes, oh, he's one of the squad players, Spencer Johnson, young kid plays for Western Torrens, can't get his body right. Well, holy hell, he's got his body right, all right? You know, it wasn't <laughs> until he got an opportunity um, with the Brisbane Heat and the BBL a couple of years ago, dominated there super quick. And his problem, very much like a lot of young fastballs, even a young Pat Cummins, was when knew he could play. Remember when he burst on the scene in South Africa and mm. uh, I took the thing, he might have taken 10 wickets or five wickets, dominated, but then had back problems. And the same thing with Spencer Johnson. So he was sent to do yoga at my, my wife's yoga studio, Cosmic <laughs> Yoga uh, and Pilates at West Lakes. And cheeky then plug, obviously, cup, yeah, cheeky plug because 
you know, the, the big deal, uh, listeners, it would be massive into going to yoga at Westlakes. So, He's obviously got his body right. He's played unbelievably well with the Brisbane Heat. He's then transferred that to Australia in both T20 and one-day form. He's super quick. He's a scary bowler. And I think he's even 27, 28, eight years of age. So he's not young anymore. But the fact that he's been able to cash in 1.78 million, um, and it just proves blokes who've got serious speed can move the ball, can bowl at the death, like Mitchell Stark, who's the best in the world at it. And young Spencer Johnson's not far behind, but 1.78 million, that's massive. We talk about Travis Head, 1.22 million. Didn't play last year because he got married. So he didn't put himself up. Jai Richardson, um, West Australian, uh, $892,000. And let's talk about this too. This is only, what? They can't bowl more than four overs, can they? Um, no, I don't think so. They're only playing eight weeks' work. And even Ashton Turner. Um, from over in Perth, one hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars. So you sit there and go, "Oh, geez, you got ripped off." But one hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars work for uh, ten weeks' work is is pretty bloody good. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> but but this is this is the interesting bit, though, Hutto. That Steve Smith, we touched on, didn't get looked at. Josh English, who you know, wicket kept and, and a good batsman for the Australian team in the World Cup fifty-over format, got missed. Josh Hazel got missed. Ashton Agar, who's normally really a constant in the IPL. He got missed as well. So, um, you know, Capitals coach, uh, Ricky Ponting, um, he left his commentary duty in, in the Perth test for Channel 7 to go a day early because the IPO auction was held in Dubai. So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, I think it's coming to the fore. And I, I know when you're seeing these sorts of the dollars, yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that, the cricketers, yeah, we spoke to Greg Chapel years ago, not years ago, but on this podcast um, probably last year, and he talked about how, how it went from getting 200 bucks a test to then 80, 90 grand for some people. Yeah. But these numbers, you know, this format wasn't even thought of back then. And, you know, it, it's just taken the cricket world by storm and really does dictate too. And you can understand why some blokes, if their bodies are right, it's a chance to set themselves up for life. Keeping on cricket treaders, um, Usi Kawaja um, protests against uh, the war in Gaza. Um, yeah. Wore a black armband against Pakistan. So it's, it's quite interesting. In that this situation, considering certain rules getting picked up at certain times. Yeah, it, it's ICC based, as we know. Um, he is someone who doesn't shy away from sharing his opinion, and and, and I think in this case, absolutely, is right. He didn't say anything offensive. He effectively said, "Freedom is a human right, and all lives are equal." Effectively, mm. so all, all lives matter. Um, in, in the past, and and I guess he's probably calling out the hypocrisy a little bit of the ICC because it wasn't so long ago that um, they actually supported Black Lives Matter, but they've been yeah. silent on this this war in Gaza. So uh, his point is, I'm not going Palestine, I'm not going Israel, I'm not going, you should do this and someone should do that, or we should donate money, if you shouldn't donate money. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not picking a side, he's just saying effectively all human rights matter. And I think it's fair to say that's the case, isn't it? Yeah. I get it when there's government funding happening here and you times over to terms and conditions in your contracts and... Um, uh, effectively, to a certain extent, like any bit, you, you can't be speaking out that's uh, contrary to um, whatever industry you are. I get all that, but he hasn't done that. Um, no. So, yeah, even to a stage that on, on a totally different scale, we know Mitchell Johnson spoke out about Dave Warner. He was he was um, uh, set to speak at a couple of uh, functions uh, at the Perth Test for Cricket Australia, and he got canned. So it just proves mm-hmm. how sensitive 
organizations. I, I understand the sponsorship money. I understand all that sort of stuff. But I think when you, you tip into a case of taking out know, people's freedom of speech, um, we're seeing censorship on internet all over the place around the world now. And I don't think he was being offensive. If you're being offensive, I get that. If you're picking a side and ramming it down people's throat, I think there's a, there's also a discussion for that. But when you're just saying freedom is a human right and all lives are equal, anyone's got a problem with that, I think they're missing the boat. Just quickly on the Mitchell Johnson stuff, it's are we are we in a situation where we've just gone way too extreme in the case that the bloke's had an opinion and quite an explosive opinion that he's just been like just canned from all walks of what he was doing, really. Like, well, well, to be fair. It's an opinion. Yeah. And to be fair, the stats back up his opinion. Mm. And on the other side, to be fair, Dave Warner was challenged and Dave Warner performed. Yeah. But Mitchell Johnson is not wrong. Opinions aren't wrong. You, when someone says, I think this happened, I don't agree with your opinion. You can't be right or wrong. You're not saying oh, I'm factually correct here. If he looks at his opinion, he is factually correct on a lot of the stuff. Dave Warner's form hadn't been brilliant. Apart from his 200, he had struggled. And particularly, he struggles overseas. So there's nothing wrong with that. Clearly, there might be some personal elements. I think he's backtracked on a couple of personal things where he went a bit too hard. But his job is to have an opinion. As soon as we stifle opinions, what are we living in? We don't find any information. If we relied on governments just to sit there and come out and go, yeah, this is what's happening. (laughs) That's why we've got two sides and maybe, you know, you got over here, you got Liberal Labor, um, you got Republicans, Democrats in America. Then you've also got your independence because we want to create opinion, create discussion. So we get the bottom of, of every um, every instance. Are we are we seeing in the like media these days, we're probably getting a little bit off topic, but are we seeing in the media these days that we're going just too far into protecting what's said? We're controlling what's we're said. We're controlling the message, absolutely. And and it can be frustrating from the outside looking at that because I'm all for people's opinion. Mm. You know, some of the best commentators in the world polarise opinion. When it's not true, that's the frustrating bit. You know what I mean? That's the frustrating bit when people are saying stuff for a reaction. No, say stuff that you believe in and can back up. When you tip into making stuff up or knowing you're not authentic, I think that's the bit that falls apart. Now, we usually start the podcast with a bit of footy news, but we've moved it, obviously, behind uh, cricket this week. But um, Clayton Oliver, he's um, heading back home from the Melbourne Footy Club's training camp in Bourne, um, citing ongoing health challenges. So it's it, the saga continues, and honestly, we just hope the young lad just finds his way a bit more. Yeah, well, there's been more story, too. Only days after he was charged um, with driving on a suspended licence, He's obviously got some, you know, and he'd been unable to drive because of some medical grounds since his um, October 12 incident where he's hospitalised following a seizure. So um, he's not making great decisions at the moment. I, I don't know. Well, let's be honest. I've got no idea what's going on. I'm not willing to say it. It's it's personal. It's medical. And, and I think as soon as you play in that space of personal medical, you've got to stay in that space away from it. Everyone's entitled to their medical freedoms. Um in terms of whether it goes in the public domain or not, you know, we get a lot of focus now on personal lives and performance. The, the reason this has um, come front and centre in the AFL world is because his performance has been compromised. Um, his behaviour and professional has been compromised. He was put up for trade publicly. His club's talked about it. He's talked about his challenges. And I think w- whether you're a fan of Melbourne Footy Club or a fan of Clayton Oliver, 
I'm a massive fan of his talent. I don't know the kid. He walks out of clearance as good as anyone in the comp. He's a superstar player. He's facing some challenges in his life. He needs support. And yeah. if he's walking away from a camp or coming out of a camp with the club's consent to go and deal with his health challenges, well, that's the priority. Because the one thing in the world you, you, everyone, and I just chatted to my son last night, one thing in the world you need, you go on money, a house, food, water. Yeah, you need food and water. But the main thing is you need your health. And if you haven't got your health, you've got nothing. So yeah. he needs his health. Forget about, oh, we need him to get 30 possessions. If he hasn't got his health and he's in a mental space, both physically and mentally in a good space, then his footy career doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's bigger yeah, than sport. Completely. 100%. Hopefully he does get himself sorted real soon. The AFL, again, is, um, yeah, some more rule changes are coming in, um, which includes a crackdown uh, high contact incidents. So under this uh, new sort of proposed rule, uh, Braden Maynard would have probably been suspended likely missed the prelim against the Giants and the uh, grand final against Brisbane. So what it means is any high contact graded as low impact would now be deemed as careless at a minimum unless a player has taken quote, all reasonable steps to avoid making contact with the opponent's head and or minimise the force of any high contact. With these rule changes, and like, obviously you grow up playing the game, you're taught a certain way. How difficult is it to try and change your style and like, the way the AFL sort of wants well, uh, yeah, I just think full stop. If the rules continue to change, I think we all saw this coming, didn't we? Yeah. Um, it was almost like everyone associated with the head knocks and the legal side of the AFL's opinion goes, we need to rule this sort of instance out. Anyone from the playing side of it and fan side ball goes, if he's jumping to actually smum the ball, which we all thought he was. Yeah. Only afterwards was the, the issue with the contact. Mm. So... What they're going to do is effectively come out and say, if you leave the ground, no matter what happens, you're going to take the onus upon where it goes. Um, do I like it? Not necessarily. Do I think it's fair and reasonable? Well, it's sort of the, the world we're living in, considering the, the game faces a multi-billion dollar probably legal challenge like we've seen in the NFL over the years. So um, the big concern I do have is about this next little story, Jack, and mm. this is all about the AFL has also expressed concern with the coaches on the on the bench who are whistling to players and interrupting the broadcast audio. Well, <laughs> I get this is this this sort of going to propose regulation here to prohibit whistling or making noises similar to communicate on the interchange bench. Well, let me take you back a few years, right? We restrict rotations on players for injuries, but also. Mm. What does that do? That stifles communication. Hey, you're on rotating. You're going the ball, Dane Swan. You tell side bottom to come off or, you know, or beams to move to a wing or whatever, you know, those sort of players yeah. back then. Um, by doing that, you're, you're limiting the communication. And communication is key because full stop, if you look at where it's going, well, you take away microphones. For, for me, just take it away from the bench because... Mm. Is it really imperative for the broadcast to have that on the bench? No, I don't remember microphones being used on the bench. No. You know I mean, yes, they might get it for a, um, for the sound of the crowd or hear some of the communication, but you know, we, we mic up umpires. We have players do halftime interviews. We've got sounds of the crowd, so to speak. Um, but then we want to prioritize and take away... We've also taken away the use of runners, really, let's be honest. Mm. They can be used after... Injury, injury issues and or goals. Um, remember, runners, we'd be out there 24-7. We had two at one stage. Now we're back to one. Mm, we're restricting when they can go out there. They're out there 
and rotations are 150 if we're talking about early um, 2013, 14 round then when there was no cap. Um, so you take away runners, you try and tell coaches to be quiet on the bench, you restrict rotations, what you want players to coach themselves. Not sure about that one. Don't think that needs to be really brought into. You got an issue with the broadcast, Mike? Put it somewhere else. Surely we can't start cracking it with how things have been done just because of how it's broadcast. Surely we can't. Well, but... I get what the arguments against that is the the money in the game is that broadcast does that, right? Brings the money into the game, brings viewers in. But I think when I look at broadcast, I thought there's so many more ways they can evolve. And, yeah. and I saw an American um, uh, vision of where they go. What they do with the NFL, they change stuff up all the time. We yeah. pretty much haven't changed that broadcast much. Yeah, you got spider cam or whatever it's called in the middle of the oval um, for finals. What else do we do that's different? Mm, Not a huge, doesn't feel like a huge amount. So maybe we need to think outside the box um, as opposed to worrying about audio coming from, um, you know, like have a coach at quarter time. Mm. But it's also what what do the fans want? Do they want to hear the coach a quarter time? Do they want to hear a player walking? They want the time? insight, mate. They they want the change room. They want the coach's box. And when I say change room, as you say, they want to be where they can't be. Yeah. You got to take them to where they can't be. That's why when I remember talking to Eddie McGuire before I started when I'd retired from footy in 2010 and started 2011, I started on Triple M Radio at the time, and he said to me, and I was doing breakfast, and he said. You got to take people to the two areas which sell most at the AF, the club auction. I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "The coaches' box experience. They used to be able to do it. Don't think they could do it anymore. Mm. And the change room experience. They're what the corporates pay for because the people who aren't fortunate enough to get into those areas, that's the unknown. And as soon as you can do that, the better. That's fair. Yeah, that's like." Fair. You want to hear the coach say, this is the tactic. You want to see that stuff. You want to see the bloke presented, you know, with his 100-game Guernsey. You want to see all that stuff. Now, like those Guernsey presentations hmm. um, started years ago. Now, now everyone just expects that. You want to take to people to insight to areas you can never be, can't be. And for a fan who hasn't played the game at the elite level, you want to know what happens in the change rooms. You want to know what happens in the coach's box. What are the coaches saying? What are they thinking? And the more we can get from a broadcast point of view into those areas, not just standing there and go, someone's got ice on their leg. That's where Roaming Brian was really good to start with. Yeah. Because it took us to areas that now it's very stage managed where you can walk and where you can't. But imagine you walked in and like getting his knee drained. Yeah. <laughs> like not that you want to see that from mock health and safety, but you want some real stuff. And, and I think as soon as broadcasters start going, where else can we do and what can't we do? And that's where I think the AFL on a different level, we've totally gone away from what we're talking about, <laughs> is but like the fact that LeBron James can do an interview mm. in his topless post game. Yep. You missed the buzzer beater, mate. Bang, microphone. Let's get us there, AFL. Then watch things soar. Yeah. What the what the NBA do with media was is incredible. Like yeah. so you get free. paid players. I don't care who you are. Dustin Martin, I get it. You don't like media. Let's find something that you can tolerate. Mm. Yeah. It's part of the game. It is. You get paid. You want to get paid? I think you got to open I think, up. I think this bloke's about to get paid. <laughs> oh, here we go. 
Jerome Luai. He's uh, he was missing from Penrith training as uh, the tensions continue to grow. He's uh, planned to join West Tigers at the end of 2024, but who knows? Could happen a bit quicker. Yeah, 1.2 million a year. What is it? Five years, six million dollar deal at the end of 24. Mm. Um, he's he's trading the reigning premiers the last three times, three flags in a row for uh, Penrith. Penrith player. Um, he's going down to the bottom end, West Tigers. But I suspect by doing the no-shows, he might want to go forward and move now. So I know that he's still got a, a year to run on his Penrith deal. Uh, they're talking about 850. He's probably owed 1,000. So there's a fair gap between 1.2 and 850. Um, but yeah, this one will be a bit of a stand-up. But as we do know, though, if you agitate enough in the NRL, they can do deals. And roll early. And I suspect maybe that's what he's want because he may have another 1.2 or 1 million waiting for him this year if he went early. So this yeah. one's got a bit more to give. But he's a superstar player. We knew that money was always going to be dictating here to say, hey, turn your head. Is it enough to make you move? Well, it has been. Mm. Well, talking of moves as well, Netball did it all in six days. Yes. Yeah, so This is crazy. Like, yeah. Well, it so, had to. Yeah. Because it, it was a basket case. They didn't have players, you know, supporting their MVP Brownlow equivalent night, Dally M mm. night. You know, we had former players speaking out that this is not good enough. Um, they, they hadn't been paid since the end of October. Mm. So, a bit crazy. Yeah, so, you're not getting paid for over a month and a half. And all of a sudden now they've got a partnership agreement. So it's yep. the revenue is in partnership. We share what you do. Very similar to every other sporting model there is. Um, and no, yeah, Collingwood pulled out. Um, Mavericks have arrived. Yep. You know, the saga left 80 players off contract as of, it was the end of September, not October, so even longer. And all of a sudden, it's now locked in. Great. Love this. Signing spree starts. Players flying everywhere. Adelaide, the Lorraine champs, cop blows. Um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. You know, they, they cop blows. I lost vice-captain... Um, Nankavell and uh, superstar English shooter Cardwell heading to the competition's newest team. Uh, Tipa Dawan, who's followed her fiance Josh Dunkley, who's a Brisbane mm. Lion. She's gone back to the Queensland, gone to the Queensland Firebirds. So, yeah, it's uh, already been turned up on top of its head. And, geez, it's, I think it's added a little bit of intrigue and insight into it. Bring it on. Imagine the absolute panic. So, six day signing window, which closed yesterday. All teams had to have 10 players locked in. Six days, you got to do that. Obviously, there are probably discussions in the background. And but managing a cap going, how, how do we do this? Good Lord, there'd be a few grey hairs being sprouted, I'd imagine. Yeah. This now, is surprising, this next one, mate. Um, oh, this is crazy. So, Ex Melbourne victory boss Kevin Musket mm. has moved to China to take charge of Chinese Super League champion Shanghai Port. Yeah. You know, so it's funny that he's just left Japan with Yokohama, yep. who he he's coached um, following Ange Postacoglu going to Celtic. That's where Ange coached beforehand. The deal for Musket to move is six million Aussie over two years. So he's also going to be leading some former Premier League um, royalty, Shanghai Ports mm-hmm. captain Oscar, who so he left many years ago from Chelsea for sixty-seven million pounds, and that was when pre-pandemic Chinese billionaires were just buying everyone. One stage, Anelka yep. Drogba. And then their owner, and their owner started himself alongside Drogba. So <laughs> crazy, mate. Crazy stuff. But obviously that league, um, yeah, the Hulk, uh, used to uh, Brazilian um, yes, striker was paying there for, on a Hulk. fortune. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a situation where 
now they're trying to get it back up and going. And mm. uh, Kevin Muscat is obviously a big name they've chased to go. But it's an interesting move because you know, as much as you look at Premier League, La Liga level down, you know, you probably got Italy now. Japan's league is probably better suited and well-known more so than China's league. China's league is all potentially all about money. So mm. find it as an interesting move sideways. Bit of cash for uh, Kev. Um, but also another good move, um, Harry Kill. Could mean good signs for him. He could be um, succeeding Musket at that Yokohama Marinos. Yeah, well, um, he was um, he was assistant coach at Celtic with Ange. Yes, yes, he yeah. was. And uh, also managed Notts County and Barnett, the English lower league. So uh, hopefully, imagine that, another Aussie pathway down that uh, famous club. Uh, Dante Exum. Yeah, he's he's on is fire, awesome. isn't he? This is yeah. awesome. Well, you look at he was drafted with pick five. I reckon, geez, who is he playing with back in the day? Utah Jazz. Jazz. He was the Jazz. And then had to go off to Europe. Mm. Dominated in Europe. And now he's come back and he's absolutely dominating now. So, um, you know, he's on a modest salary, three million US with the Mavs. But, geez, his last couple of, day, couple of weeks, he's put up to around about 20 points a game. So, um yeah, he's shooting from outside. He's got his mojo back. We know he hurt his knee, recon. Um, he's obviously a big part of the boomers where they go. Um, but, yeah, this is a great sign because, you know, early early mentioned, highly sought-after young player, doesn't quite work out, goes back to lower leagues, dominates, and all of a sudden he's uh, getting the fruits of his labour. Hitting his potential. Can't believe it. How good is that? 17 points in the final quarter against the Lakers, including five from beyond the arc. That's just... Crazy. Chop that, uh, LeBron James. There you go. <laughs> Towed up by Dante. Um, yeah, that's so good. I, I love a good story like that. And here's another good story. Um, South Aussie, Drew Davies, um, the latest Aussie to sign an MLB affiliate contract. He's only 18, Treaders, and he's off to the big leagues. Yeah, Cincinnati Reds on Tuesday. Um, he signed at West Beach. That's where the uh, Adelaide Giants are based. Yes. Um, so this is another success story. He's probably going to have to spend numerous years in the majors. And that's obviously what the, uh, the Australian Baseball League here is all about. Um, mm. Obviously, a lot of the players that play in that are um, you know, players from below the majors from who need to play. And, and as I said, they, um, recently interviewed one on um, Adelaide Radio and one of the players was saying, we play 100, we don't have preseason, we play 120 games a year. Wow. No wonder they throw their shoulders out. But that's yeah, a great sign and a, and a great young player who's getting a great opportunity at, um, at the top end. Have you had a night out at the Giants before, Tricks? Uh, not for a while, no. Not for a while. That's it's a good night out. Not a, not a bad oh, night. My last time was when they were called the Bite. It was at Norway. Yeah, I think it was the same for me. Yeah. Good food, good, edit, good atmosphere, good everything. Sensational. Yeah. This, this is a stitch up. This is outrageous. Aussie boxer. And I'm going to have a crack at this. Jaya Apatia. Sounds good. Could absolutely have that wrong. He's teed off at the IPF because um, he'll be forced to vacate his cruiserweight belt for deciding to take a hefty payday in Saudi Arabia. It's just an offer he can't refuse. 670 grand. But the same, because you've got a mandatory title offence, you can't go or you're done. Yeah, so they take the title off you. Yeah, that's... What would you do? Title of the cash. You take the cash. <laughs> well, what are we worried about then? You take the cash. It's like, yeah, here's your belt. I'm off to Saudi Arabia. But, but as we've seen, though, with um, this is another case of Saudi Arabia's money heading into sport, 
to change the landscape. You know, we talked before yeah. about the IPL. That was the Indian money that was coming in big business to create the landscape and upset cricket. What has it's changed the way cricket's been evolved. Like look at Live Golf and the USPGA head to head. It's made John Rahm make a decision. It's made Dustin Johnson make a decision. Cam Smith make a decision. This is a similar type. Are we looking at the splitting of, of IBF fighting, UFC going forward? At least they sort of travel and are, and are sort of regulated amongst their own group. So they're open to whoever wants to, to take it on the roadshow. Um, it's an interesting one to sit and wait. Yeah, uh, ho- hopefully common sense prevails because even the bloke he wants to fight has no issue with him waiting and fighting afterwards. That's yeah. just the IBF kicking up a stink. Yeah, well, that's how they roll, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. That's yeah. how they roll. And then, then, and then if you were the IBF, would you want to be giving up those opportunities and let your people to go elsewhere? No, you wouldn't. No, you're, you're in the business of making money too. And when you've got all your assets, why would you let your opposition go ahead and, um, you know, and uh, I suppose change the way that you guys do business and have control of? Yeah, it's a lose-lose situation, this one. Like, can't win either way. This one, though, is a big win. Big win for the NFL. Um, eyeing to start in Brazil in 2024, and a couple of um, traditions might be uh, booted to the, to the curb. Yeah, well, this is... When I first saw it, Sao Paulo playing NFL, mm. how's that going to work for week one of the 2024 season? Well, this is all reports according to NBC. Um, they're talking about a doubleheader on the Thursday, September 5, and a standalone game on the Friday. You know, this will be a first for NFL, an NFL kickoff game to be, uh, you know, it's normally a tradition since 2002. So, as we say, the world of sport is moving. Governments want exposure to their businesses. They want to be exposure to, you know, you bring in the tourism dollar. It's no different to what we've seen with Live Golf all over the world, particularly what I saw firsthand when it, my home state of South Australia, Grange Golf Club, about two k's away, hosted the best golf players in the world. And I was like, wow, this event's mad. Mm. It's good. It's entertained. It'll be even bigger, better this year. Um, so this is all just a piece. We see the UFC travel to Perth. They travel over the world. Um, we've seen title fights in Russia and Ukraine many years ago. The Klitschko brothers. Um, um, yeah, back in the when it was a kid growing up, you sign up the main event and Mike Tyson last... 45 seconds to belt the crap over who he's fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Las Vegas paid the money. They're the ones that only could afford it. Well, now they're seeing governments going, hang on, we need to bring tourism dollars. Back then it was all about, oh, they're just paying for this event. No, no, it's all about bringing tourists in. We see State of Origin sell off a game every year interstate other than one in New South Wales and, and Queensland. So this is all a big piece of the puzzle worldwide that we're all seeing. We saw the F1s go to Las Vegas only recently with huge success after everyone said it wouldn't work. Yeah, especially the AFL rolling at Richmond and Carlton for their traditional uh, season opener. Yeah, <laughs> in South well, Wales. we're not we're not going to see that this year, are we? We yeah, see the season opener, but we'll see Sydney launch the season. Unbelievable! Good. Will it work? Who knows? Hope so. No, no, no problem trying. Mm, absolutely not. Lionel Messi. We love talking about Lionel Messi on this podcast. Um, his twenty twenty two World Cup jerseys. How much do you reckon they've gone for, Travis? Well, I know I can see it on our rundown sheet, so I'm not oh. going to cheat you. <laughs> Uh, well, this I'm is, trying to make you look like a genius. This is a collection. This is what is yes. ridiculous. 7.8 million of collection um, clashes with the Socceroos. Um, you know, obviously, Martinez colossal save late to prevent the game going to extra time. So this is unbelievable. And then Money Talks Bullshit Walks. He's the biggest name 
we're talking about some of the deals and social media followings. He's got the second biggest social social media following, I think, behind Ronaldo worldwide. You talk about LeBron James, well, he surpasses him. Um, so, yeah, this is no surprise, but just how much money would you need in your bank before you spent $7.8 million on your favourite sports star? Yeah, I know. Probably 7.9. <laughs> would you? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'd get shot. Oh, how, how many have, have you sold some of your Gerns before and have they sold for a decent amount? Not 7.8 million worth, but oh, I flicked a couple of old ones, yeah, for not a huge amount of money, though. Um, I know one of my old t- teammates, mm. he was slugging them off for 10 grand a pot. Yeah, there's been a few numbers. I think, um, one of your teammates sold his uh 04 grand final jumper, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know mine got sold that night, um. And uh, the owner of Maccabi Diva at the time. Got it. Uh, yeah, Tony Santic might have bought mine, I think, for seven and a half or eight grand. But he, he just won three Melbourne Cups in a row, so he's doing all right. Bought your um, jersey. Well, yeah, because yeah, you wore two. Yeah. I'd generally changed at half time. But yeah, I'd love to know who that teammate of mine might have sold that for. Mm. Well, find out. Tell later. me off air. Yeah, I reckon I might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Last one that we've got, and this this is uh, it's only broke this morning. Um, so Sam Newman's son, uh, Max Jones, he's to sue Jock Landau and Geelong Grammar for an alleged violent assault at the hands oh. of the NBA star that he um, that happened during while he, while they're at school together. Wow! So he's saying he can claim what seven hundred and forty grand in sports media, and more than one point two million in general management, and two mil as um, what as a try, potential trying to be. As well. Trying to be like his dad was on Channel Nine and be quick-witted and all that. Essentially, it's pretty crazy. I don't know how. Well, but he said, yeah, apparently uh, right. Landale forced him to the ground and jumped on his stomach, which um, caused major spinal injuries. Which well, if there's a serious injury here, then absolutely. But people would also suggest potentially it looks like a shakedown for money, considering the bloke's earning millions. But I don't know. If there's a trial set for January next year, we'll find out whether they're real allegations or not. But it's not not exactly uh, the thing that Jock Landau would want to be dealing with. No, absolutely. And, and if it is a legitimate case, then like anything, if there's a case, you pay. 100%. And it's proven that way. Yeah. Well, that's all for us this week. Um, thanks for joining us. And I think we're going to take a break next week, Feathers, for Christmas, you reckon? Yeah, I think we might have. Been working right. our working our socks off, so to speak. <laughs> well, we'll see you all in 2024, and uh, chat you then. Thanks for your support. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.